Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. What's going on, Bears fans? As you know, sports betting season is in full force, which means you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code Chicago. One two five. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props, including NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, NBA games, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid, BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's up, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and for this week's show, the bi-week edition, we have a special guest and a good friend of mine joining the podcast, Andrew Freeman from Bear Report. Andrew, it has been a while. How have you been? It, yeah, it has been a while, man, but you know I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. You know, it's, it's getting to that time of the year. There's snow outside today, so... That's something, but yeah, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Ready to talk about some Bears football right here. Yeah, absolutely. And before we actually talk about some Bears football um, here, Andrew, like we were, we were kind of talking before we went live here and you were talking about wanting to stay physically active. Like we still need to play basketball together. That's been something that <laughs> I've been thinking about. And I know you invited me a couple of times. I was just busy, but I, Andrew, I have not picked up a basketball legit, maybe <laughs> three three months like and there's a gym maybe five minutes away from me so there really is no excuse but i have not played in a while have have you have you been playing at all i've been trying to play here and there i've been on the uh friday morning schedule is okay. the, the one place where i've been playing right now friday morning before work 5 30 in the morning be getting there a couple times a week but you know yeah man we gotta we gotta get that going at least once you know that we gotta we gotta set that up though because you know like like you said i mean gotta stay physically active and it's getting colder outside so i mean what better way to you know try and stay in shape than play a little hoops but yeah i mean 
if you want to go get out there and play, I mean, that's totally fine. If you're a little bit rusty, we'll work through that. I'm sure uh, once you get a couple games in, that jump shot will be going just fine. We'll see. We're going to need a couple of games, <laughs> that's for sure. And you know, watching the Bulls, too, and see what they're doing, I think that Absolutely. I just feel like I'm in more in a basketball mood. And, you know, we can we can have a whole other podcast for that. But it's nice to see that the Bulls are doing their thing right now. But, Andrew, we do have some Bears questions submitted by by fans of the podcast that we are going to get into. So let's just jump right into that and kind of start off with our first question of the day. And it comes from MD Shore Bears fan. And the question is, and he he proposes two questions to start off here. One, we have all heard several names being thrown around. Of the potential Matt Nagy replacements, who do you guys think would be the best fit? So, Andrew, I'll kind of just start off here. Obviously, I think what the most common one maybe is probably Brian Dable, the offense coordinator from the Bills, and just kind of seeing his makeup of what he's done with Josh Allen, an athletic quarterback, and seeing the success he's had not only with the Bills, but you go before that, you go 2017 with Alabama, what they were able to kind of do in terms of the offensive rankings there. And it does help when you have the players at Alabama. But then you also go his time with the Patriots, 2013 and 16, was a coach of tight ends. You have Gronkowski doing his thing. So you have success there. And then he was also with the Dolphins in 2011. So that's a guy that, you know, comes up pretty often. And if you want to go the young, you know, or the offensive minded coach, it, it makes sense, right? It makes sense for, for what the Bears may want to do if that's the direction they go with, you know, kicking the can on Matt Nagy. Andrew, is there a guy or names that you kind of want to drop here in terms of who could be Matt Nagy replacements? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I mean, it's it's we don't even know whether Matt Nagy is going to be fired or not, like midway through the season. It's kind of looking that way. But at this point, we should clarify that we have no idea what's going to happen at this point. But if that situation were to come into play, which we should be prepared for in this case. Uh, you mentioned Brian Dable. I think he's a very strong candidate. And I, one of the things I like about him is he's got a variety of different offenses and experiences at different stops along the block. So uh, that's one intriguing name right there. But the guy I'll bring up here uh, is another offensive mind, uh, Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this has been he, – he's quickly been rising up as a guy that – um, you know, I'm not sure if Jerry Jones in Dallas will try to even like entertain letting him leave at all. You know, it sounds like they they really value him highly there in Dallas. But, uh, you know, you look at what Moore has done as the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, the, all they've done is just have a ton of success on the offensive side of the ball. And I know they have a lot of talent on that side. We look at the offensive line, uh, all the weapons they have on offense there. Uh, Dak Prescott playing very well. You know, the reason why I really like to Kellen Moore is when you think about what the Bears need in their next head of coach. And I know a lot of people will say, you know, you just need to get the best guy for the entire operation. It doesn't matter where it's, whether it's an offensive guy or a defensive guy. Heck, it even could be like, you know, a special teams guy like, you know, Dave Toad, maybe from like the Kansas City Chiefs, an old, old friend of the Bears, obviously. But in my opinion, you need to get somebody in here that can be Justin Fields best friends and get the most out of Justin Fields. And you look at what Kellen Moore has done with Dak Prescott. All that we've seen with Dak Prescott ever since Kellen Moore took over as the offensive coordinator is that Prescott's gotten better and better and better and better. And he's, his development has flourished in this offense under Moore. And look at Moore. Uh, he's worked under two different head coaches, whether it's Jason Garrett at first and now under Mike McCarthy. Both of those guys are offensive-minded coaches, but they both have kind of different 
offensive philosophies. And Kellen Moore, he comes from Boise State. He played at Boise State in college, set a bunch of school records there, had a very successful career at Boise State. You know, they run kind of that spread uh, offense at Boise State, which is what he was accustomed to coming into the NFL. So he has a lot of different uh, different philosophies to kind of work with there and different uh, coaching schemes that he can kind of pull, you know, out of. And, you know, when you look at the candidates right there and, and maximizing Justin Fields, I, I think there's a lot to like with what Moore offers and brings to the table. I think that's the big thing which you, you hit on there, Andrew, is that you got to, whoever it is that you bring in, and maybe it isn't an offensive-minded guy. It could be, like you said, a special teams guy, a defensive, you know, a former defensive guy. The the main goal, though, for anybody that potentially could replace Nagy if he's no longer on the team in 2022 is maximizing Justin Fields' talents because we're just seeing, I think, glimpses of it. And again, the game, the game in Pittsburgh, that second half. If we get somebody in that is more capable of bringing that out more consistently, that should be the goal. Now, Andrew, I'm going to throw a name out here, and I, I'm just curious on if you have an opinion on him or even like the direction. What do you? How do you feel about a defensive-minded guy, whether he's older or younger? And like Todd Bowles, we'll throw out there for example, mm-hmm. somebody who you know was debating between Chicago and Tampa Bay in 2019, obviously to become the DC when Vic Fangio left. Obviously, won a Super Bowl with with the Buccaneers. His line, his defense are very linebacker centric and you look back in 2015 what he did with the jets winning 10 games with Fitzpatrick, kind of seems pretty impressive at this point in hindsight but is it do you think that the bears are more so pro are going to lean towards that offensive minded whether it's you know kellen moore or someone in that direction or do you think it's pretty wide open no i think it's pretty wide open and if you're looking at the precedent that the bears have set over the last I don't know, decade or two decades or so, whenever they've changed head coaches, they've usually done the opposite of what they've done in the past. When you look at, you know, Lovey Smith, he was uh, here in Chicago for nine years, defensive-minded guy, um, you know, brought a lot to the table with, you know, getting all the special teams straight and, and all that stuff. Well, what do they do to, when they got rid of Lovey, they bring in Mark Tressman, offensive-minded guy. And then when that didn't work out, they went back to John Fox, defensive-minded guy. And then he's Matt Nagy, like, you see where this is kind of going here. They kind of go back and forth between offensive-minded guy, defensive-minded guy, and you kind of get the impression that they're kind of just like doing like, well, the offensive-minded guy didn't work, so let's try the defensive-minded guy and, and see what happens. Like, So if you're going off of what we've seen in the history with this Bears organization and franchise, I, I don't think it's outside the table. I think Todd Bowles would probably be the best candidate or certainly one of the better candidates Um out there for a defensive minded guy. Another guy that I'll throw out there is a former Colts defensive coordinator, uh, Eberflus with the, with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, He's done a very good job with the Colts defense on on a unit that I don't think has a ton of spectacular talent, but he does a good job year in and year out of getting the most out of that unit. So that's another name that I'll keep out there in terms of keep aware of that. Um, You know, just keep an eye out for him as well. But I think we look at specifically Todd Bowles here. I think that's very interesting because the one thing you have to keep in mind when you're looking at a defensive-minded coach is what offensive coordinator are they bringing to the table to the Chicago Bears? Because, again, everything has to center around when you go up and trade for a guy like Justin Fields, the entire mindset of the organization has to change, especially during these early years where his development is 
you know, the first priority, second priority, third, like that is like every single priority is what is best for Justin Fields right now. And, you know, if you feel like a defensive minded guy, like Todd Bowles, who has had a ton of success in the NFL, his defenses are like every single year, he has really good defenses. He clearly knows what he's doing. And he has that head coaching experience where I don't think he got a fair shot in New York with the Jets because the quarterback situation wasn't great. The talent situation wasn't very great. And it can make sense that you pair him with a quarterback like Justin Fields and with what Todd Bowles can do defensively, that makes all that's, that's very appealing because Todd Bowles, he can focus on defense, getting all that straight, working on, you know, just being that leader in the locker room. And at that point, it's about who are you hiring on the offense to bring out the most and, and really have a good relationship with Justin Fields. And, you know, it, it brings to mind, like, would Todd Bowles bring over a Byron Leftwich, maybe, who's the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers? Would, you know, would the Buccaneers even let that happen? I don't know. But that's something to keep in mind, where if you're going to go after a defensive-minded guy and you think that, okay, he has the right leadership qualities, the right CEO qualities, so to speak, to kind of run the entire ship and, and get things going in the right direction, who are they bringing on the offensive side of the ball to get that right and, and bring out the most in Justin Fields? And those are questions we do not have answers to, Andrew. And we'll have to see if they even get brought up because if Nagy's still here, then this is all just speculation. But that's what week 10 of this bye week 2021 NFL season is all about. So the other question that MD Shore Bears fan had was moving forward next season, what parts of the roster would you keep intact? And what parts would you, and I like this word, jettison. You know, it's not something that you hear very often, but to answer the first part of that question, when I think of, when I think of this question, first of all, and I think of it as position groups, what are you going to keep intact? And if we're talking about a group as a whole, I don't think any group would be, they, there is a possibility where you can see any of those groups being upgraded when you look at it collectively. Um, The closest I think of for, to keep intact probably the running back room in terms of David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. And then the question mark really is with Tariq Cohen, who there is a question about him later um, in the, in this podcast. But like when I look at those two guys and what they can do moving forward for this Bears team, absolutely. You want to have that intact, but then you go, I guess you're going to go micro focus. Like if you look at the offensive line, if you look at the tackle position, Andrew, I think, I think the Bears are going to be in an interesting situation coming out of this bye week and heading into week 11 matchup with Baltimore because there could be a possibility that we may see Tevin Jenkins for the first time. I think he's trending in an upwards direction. And Larry Borum, you know, for being somebody that was a right, you know, moving positions and now is solidifying himself as a right tackle and going up against guys like TJ Watt one week, Nick Bosa the other week, he's been doing, doing a, a very – I solid job, I would definitely say. And maybe when Tevin Jenkins comes, they switch. So I look at that tackle position, like that could be something that you want to see how that grows moving forward. But to answer the second part real quick, what would be the position group that would, you know, scrap in in a sense? And it's not even what I would do. It's just, here's how I think it's going to happen in 2022. When I look at the wide receiver position, Andrew, you look at the five guys that they play with Robinson, Goodwin, Bird, Jakeem Grant, Darnell Mooney, four of those guys are on one-year deals with Allen Robinson being on the franchise tag. So that that whole room is just, I think, could look completely different 
And that, that could be easily a problem. And we'll have to see how the bears address that, but that's just one naturally. It's not even how, like how I would like, you know, just, you know, dissect it or, you know, split it apart. It's just really the wide receiver room on itself could just look drastically different due to contracts and the current guys that they have there. When you, when you see this question, yeah. What are the groups that, you know, you would keep intact and the other ones that you would jettison? Yeah. So first of all, I'll continue on your wide receiver point because we have a couple other questions on the off season, what the bears should do. So I'll just say for right now, I'm probably going to cover wide receiver a little bit later because I, I will say, I kind of agree that I think there's going to be a lot of turnover at the wide receiver position this off season. And it's going to have to be that case. Cause like you said, Darnell Mooney is the only wide receiver under contract for the bears next year, which is Crazy. a problem or a conversation in and of itself. But when you look at, uh, you know, what to keep the same and what's a jettison fun word right there. Um, I think, first of all, you have to look at the contract situations and, you know, who's on the roster and what, you, what can you do contractually with some of these guys in the off season. So you bring up running back. I think that's a good point. You, right now you have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert on the rookie deals. You're already paying Tariq Cohen. I, I think that's a unit where you can feel pretty safe that unless they want to get creative and try to get a pick for maybe David Montgomery, if they feel confident in Khalil Herbert, I think that's a position that's probably going to be staying the same in the offseason. I mean, that's, that's a good position to have where you have two quality guys that you are pretty confident that they can be starters at the running back position. I, I think it would make sense to keep that continuity right there. The other spot I look at here in terms of keeping it the same, and it's one where they kind of have to, based off of how the contracts work is the edge position. Cause you look at Khalil Mack, he's on that massive deal. Uh, he's going to have $27 million in dead money next year to move on from him in any capacity. So you would have to assume Khalil Mack's probably going to be staying and you probably want him to stay anyway, because he's still an awesome player. So um, I, I think you feel pretty confident in Khalil Mack. Um, there was a lot of discussion before the season about Robert Quinn, you know, what's his going to be, what's going to be his status in 2022 and beyond well he's played to the point to where i feel like you know and because they've restructured his contract to move some more money into the future on that you look at it you're probably not going to you're not going to save a lot of money i think it's like four and a half million to cut robert quinn and like 13 to in dead money to to let him go like well in all likelihood you're probably not moving on from robert quinn at this point just because one he's been productive for you and two, like contractually, it makes no sense to just flat out cut him. So your, your starting edges are going to be there. You have uh, Jeremiah Atuachu under contract still um, going to the final year of his deal. And then Travis Gibson, he, he's going to be on his rookie contract. So I think in terms of the performance that you're getting from those guys and the quality of players you have there and just on the contract situation, you're probably looking at a very similar edge group in 2022 and i think that's one thing where i think that's going to remain constant um in terms of you know what difference what can we do with the other positions and and what do we need to kind of revamp a little bit here um you brought up the wide receiver room and offensive line i'll go to the other side of the ball i think when you look at <clears throat> the defensive side of the ball here the defensive line that's kind of uh, under the radar a position group that's going to be going to be needing some turnover next year you look at akeem hicks going to the final year of you know, he's going to be a free agent next offseason. Bilal Nichols is a free agent next offseason. You know, what are they going to do with Eddie Goldman? Do they keep him around on his deal? Like, or do they just say that, you know, it's time to move on and save some money and use that elsewhere? Because, you know, as, as much as it may look right now that the Bears 
may have some money to spend, um, you know, they're still not in the greatest cap situation right now. So I look at that. That's potentially a position where you could have some turnover there. But I think the the, the one position group where I think they're going to need to add a lot more talent next year is going to be the cornerback position because you look at it right now, Jalen Johnson, in my opinion, is the only quality cornerback that I feel confident in as a long-term starter on this roster right now. They tried Kim DeVildor. They tried Duke Shelley. It hasn't really worked so far. We, we've seen it at times this year. This this secondary has gotten uh, ripped apart by some of these quarterbacks when the pass rush isn't working or isn't getting home to the quarterbacks. So I think cornerbacks is a position where they really need to start investing in. And I look at a team like the Browns, for instance, or uh, some, what's another team? The Ravens, for instance, who continuously invest in the cornerback position year after year. Look at the Browns. They have two first-round picks on that cornerback room. They have a second-round pick. They have a free agent signing from this year. They've invested a ton in other places in the secondary. You know, With the modern NFL the way it is and secondary and coverage being so important, I, I think we need to see an influx of talent at the cornerback position and that's another place where I think they're they're going to need to turn over the roster quite a bit going into next year. That that was also on my list of positions there, Andrew. The the cornerback position, anything other than Jalen Johnson right now. And you know, at this point, I wonder with how Kendall Vildor has been playing. He was on a couple of highlight reels on that Monday night game against the Steelers. It's like you did bring in Artie Burns. Do you, do you even look that way? Because you're, I think it's at a at a spot right now where you might just want to see what your options are in terms of what you even have on your roster there. But it, yeah, that's definitely another one that I had on the list. Andrew, we'll go to question number two here and it comes from Brian Phillips. And this is an interesting one is fields as good a QB yet as Cutler was. And if not, what will he have to do to reach that level? And when do you expect that to happen? Andrew, I'm going to defer to you first. What do you, what do you, how do you, how are you answering this question? I, I, I guess I was like contemplating what, what Man. I have a, I have a layout here, but what's your kind of thought process on is fields as good of a QB as Jay Cutler? Well, first of all, thank you for giving the uh, polarizing question to your, to your uh, guest here for this <laughs> one. But uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting question to answer. Like you said, because you know, it, it really depends on like what part of Jay Cutler's career are we talking about here? Are we talking about like, you know, Jay Cutler at his best, maybe in like, say like 2015 where mm-hmm. uh, he had, I thought he had a pretty underrated year that season, the first year of the, the John Fox, Ryan Pace era, or maybe like 2013 where he probably had his best year in terms of, you know, the first year of Mark Trestman. If we're talking about like that, then I don't think Justin Fields is there yet. And typically the conversation rounds like, how good was Jay Cutler actually as a quarterback? And uh, for some people, like I have a, a soft spot for, for Jay Same. Cutler just because he was like the first, I, I guess, technically franchise quarterback that I got. Like I grew up watching Jay Cutler. So I'm always mm-hmm. going to have a little bit of a bias there to where I might overrate him a little bit compared to other people. But if you're looking at this from a objective standpoint, Jay Cutler was probably about a league average quarterback for the majority of his time with the Bears. You know, he would have some moments where he looked like a lot better than that. And he had certainly a lot of moments where he looked a lot worse than that. You know, he had some really rough season, some rough games uh, mixed in there, as well as to go with the good. So uh, it right now, it's a tough question because Justin Fields is a rookie. I'll say no, just because uh, we still don't have like we still don't have like the evidence to suggest that 
he's there yet. But if you're looking at it from a trajectory standpoint and where his development is at, he's obviously well on his way to get there, especially look at the last two games against the Niners and, and the Steelers. Um, he had, he's been outstanding the last two weeks. So, but because you also have some bad performances, like Cleveland was rough game. Uh, the Buccaneers game was just really rough for the entire offense. Like how, like, can you put that all on Justin Fields? No, but the fact of the matter is he's a rookie quarterback. He is still developing. He's still getting better. And when you look at Jay Cutler and the fact that he was about a league average quarterback for the majority of his time in Chicago, I, I don't think you can say that Justin Fields is a league average quarterback just yet because he's still on that upper tra- trajectory. He still has a lot to prove right now. So because of that fact, and we need a larger sample size, I'll say no, but at the end of the year, ask me that question again. I think I might have a different answer for you. Andrew, I'm, you know, I, I shouldn't have given you it first, but you did a fantastic <laughs> job with the question because I'm along the exact same lines. I had, well, what years are we looking at for Jay Cutler? How are we kind of evaluating this? It's a rookie quarterback right now with a small sample size of games compared to a guy who's played years in the league. But, and like you, and I have it in my notes, I probably like Jay Cutler more than most. So we're, we're, we're similar in that. That area, but I don't think it's going to take here. I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll leave it short too. I don't think it's going to take too much for Fields to eclipse what Jay Cutler right. showed throughout throughout his um career. Just look, I think he obviously he had an amazing arm, and despite throwing many, you know, many many uh interceptions, he was I I think a smart guy. He just took yep. just took too many risks and thought that the can of the arm. That he had, that he had, could you know fit it through a couple of. He had, he had a little bit to. of that Brett Favre syndrome without being quite exactly. on Brett Favre's level. You know what I mean? Yes, and it didn't help that he was switching offensive coordinators like it seemed like every other yep. season. So we don't know where maybe maybe Jay Cutler's true potential was, but just seeing the flashes from Justin Fields in you know what has been an inept offense through multiple seasons with Matt Nagy. You're seeing it consistent. You're, I think you'll start to see it more consistently. So, yeah, I don't like to answer the question, Brian. I don't think it's going to take much. So, I think I think we'll leave it at that too. I, d- I didn't think we'd be talking about Jay Cutler in 2021 for Cutler Field, but hey, that's what we do during the bye week. All right. So, before we answer more of your Bears questions, I have a quick message for you guys. I want to tell you about a four-year-old boy named Omar Spitz. He loved fire trucks and the movie Paw Patrol. Omar was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome and has had two open heart surgeries along with several other procedures since birth. A few weeks ago, Omar underwent heart surgery again to receive the third stage of his heart repair. But unfortunately, Omar passed away on October 29th. To to honor Omar, his family is collecting donations and will send those donations to Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago, where Omar received all of his care. These donations will go towards helping young future patients and allow for Omar's name to be put on the memory wall at the hospital. You can send a donation through Venmo at Omar's, O-M-A-R-S underscore Army. Again, that's Omar's, O-M-A-R-S underscore Army. And like I said, all the proceeds uh, will be to honor Omar and, you know, give him a chance to be put on the memory wall at the hospital. So if you can, um, you know, make sure to do that again. The Venmo is Omar's O M A R S underscore army. One last time, Omar's O M A R S underscore army on Venmo. 
All right, let's get back to these Bears questions. I'm here joined by Andrew Freeman of Bear Report, having a great discussion about Jake Cutler and Justin Fields and these and, and these Bears at the bye week three and six. And you know what, Andrew, we didn't even talk about like the current state. of. I know you guys just did a podcast about the state of the team. Yep. If you can recap that in like two minutes, what, what was your kind of take on the Bears, where they're currently at three and six going into the week 10 bye week? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of, you know, where my expectations were at, because that's the thing, you have to look at where my, where my expectations going into the year and have they met or exceeded those expectations. So I'd say the Bears, while I think they've kind of underachieved a little bit record-wise, they've been about the same team I kind of expected going into the year. You know, I, I felt like, you know, the pass rush was going to be good, but the secondary gave me a lot of worries. And offensively, you still had a ton of moving parts where you, you're, you know, redoing your like entire offense, not your entire offensive line, but a good amount of your offensive line is getting overhauled. You're getting ready both of your starting tackles. You're, you know, trying to replace those guys with rookies. And then eventually Jason Peters off the fishing boat um, <laughs> when that didn't work out. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot of holes in this roster right now. And of course, now you're trying to develop a rookie quarterback. You have a situation like, who's starting Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Like there were a ton of question marks on both sides of the ball, but I felt like there was enough talent for them to be competitive. And that's what they've been for the most part, outside of a couple of really bad blowouts to some of the Super Bowl contending teams like the Buccaneers, the Browns and, and the Rams. But yeah, I think while I expected them to kind of win one of these last two games against the Steelers or 49ers, I thought they matched up well enough to beat those teams this team is about where I expect them to be. I think there are a, they're a mediocre team who, you know, if Justin Fields can play well down the stretch, maybe they sneak a couple of wins here and, and maybe they work their way back into the playoff push. But as of right now, they're, they're a team that they look like they're in kind of a rough spot going forward. I think they're going to, you know, win six, seven, eight games, what you're kind of looking at here, which is about where I had them going into the season. And Andrew, I'm kind of right there with you. And it was all, you know, the, the question marks were like, when will Justin Fields play? And we saw that was, I think, a little maybe earlier than expected for, for a lot of people. Obviously, the Cincinnati game being, um, you know, interjected in there and taken over from Andy Dalton. So, yeah, I had him about there. I think I just didn't expect, well, I, get, I should have expected some of the the games like Cleveland, like Tampa Bay, where it's just abysmal and just it hurts it it just hurts to watch but yeah. those i think those came maybe a little earlier on in the season than maybe i was expecting because you're you're bound to get some of those games but then again you think back 2019 home opener 10 10 to 3 loss to green bay and then later that year they only score another 3 points against Kansas City Chiefs in their final home game but so they they've they've had those offensive duds for sure just in at play in and offense in, in general so I guess for for some reason, I'm like, oh, they have like thinking with Andy Dalton being starter, they're not gonna be that bad. But come on, I, I was being maybe naive and just not really thinking clearly. But yeah, three and six, they they've lost to teams that are when they play those playoff contention, the Rams, the obviously the Bucks and, and teams like that. You see the discrepancy of where the two teams are at. And that's exactly how I, I kind of envisioned the Bears would be this season. Now we'll see how they finish off with Justin Fields, obviously as a starter, and where they can go. Maybe if they come back a little healthier, get a Cleo Mack back, like we were talking about earlier. Maybe Tevin Jenkins comes back, Eddie Jackson, guys like that. So we'll see 
where they can maybe change this narrative of what the, the current state of the team is at right now. All right, Andrew, we'll go to the third question from Logan France. And he asks, which position group is the Bears biggest weakness right now? And I think I'll just start off. I'm going to go with the offensive line. I think when your quarterback is leading the league in sacks at 29 um, and you have guys like, I don't know what your evaluation is, Andrew, on Cody Whitehair this season. But to me, it's been a guy that's been very inconsistent, especially for him being kind of known as being more of that consistent guy. Obviously, someone who would switch positions too, but still find a way to, you know, play good enough at that position. But I feel like this year, that has not been the case for Cody Whiteheron. And I also kind of feel similarly to, to Sam Mustafer. I think, you know, the Bears will look to potentially upgrade at center at some point. But the offensive line for me is, is just one of the weaker positions on this Bears team. Uh, one, do you have any thoughts on the offensive line? And two, any other positions that are, are weak on this current Bears team? Yeah, first of all, just to continue your offensive line thoughts, like start off like Cody Whitehair. Yeah, the, the you know, in order for this offensive line to be at around average, which is what I thought the best case scenario was for them, if everything went right. Uh, this year, Cody Whitehair had to be that rock in the middle of this offensive line, that consistent anchor for this unit. And he hasn't quite, he just hasn't been that guy. And, you know, I don't think he's been bad by any means in terms of the overall evaluation. Like uh, he's still a solid run blocker uh, in, the, in this outside zone scheme. He, he does a good job of getting to the second level. Um, but, you know, when he goes up against, you know, the top interior pass rushers in the league, we saw it in week one against Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald, I mean, it, it's tough to expect anyone to do, to contain Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald destroyed him pretty much all game long. And we saw that happen again in the Pittsburgh game against Cam Hayward. Hayward just yeah. – <laughs> Hayward had his way with Whitehair in this game. That's all I'll say. Um, and Cody Whitehair, his – his pass pro has been – I've been tracking it all year long for all, all the offensive linemen. Um, Cody Whitehair, his pass pro is weird because he has, like, the most, like, top weeks that you'd ex- from the offensive line where he's, like, the best-performing guy, but he also has the most, like he's, – he's just, like, really bad out there. Uh, he has the most weeks where it's, like – he's again, like you said, very inconsistent, very high, lots of lows. So just not, not what you'd expect from a guy that you thought would be, I think, going into the year – probably being your best offensive lineman going into the season. He certainly paid to be that type of player, just hasn't quite been that for them so far. Um, but when you look at the rest of the group, like Jason Peters, like, huh, man, what a, what addition he was late in the offseason. Like he is, it, it could be argued that while the offensive line itself is pretty bad, like he's like, there's a reason we're talking about them in this, with this question. Uh, Jason Peters might've saved their season to an extent mm-hmm. because he's actually been, probably their best all around offensive lineman this year, which is, you know, it's both a positive for him, but it kind of yeah. also speaks to the lack of talent at the rest of this group. So I agree with your assessment fully. This, this offensive line, it has not been being good this year. You know, you like what you've seen a little bit from James Daniels going into a contract year, but the right tackle position has been a mess. And Sam Mustafer, you know, I think the bears are regretting not bringing in competition at the very least competition for him in the off season, because, we're clearly seeing that it's it's just a mismatch for some of these top defensive lines against Sam Mustard for right now. But in terms of the position group that I think, um, you know, is one of the worst or the weakest on the roster right now, it, it's a position group I talked about earlier. It's the cornerback position. You know, I think it's a position group that, like I said before, Jalen Johnson is the only quality corner that we can really rely on. 
And really, it's the entire secondary in general has just been a sore spot for this defense. And, you know, we have Jalen Johnson as your only quality corner. We have, a, we have a question about Eddie Jackson in the future, I think, down the, down the road. But also for Eddie Jackson right now is that he hasn't been the difference maker that I think he's needed to be. And he's also exposed that there's not a lot of depth in the safety room when he was, he's been out of the lineup. So uh, the secondary has been a, a huge problem for this defense right now. And then again, the cornerbacks just, there's not a ton of talent there. And that's what happens when you, you know, again, Kyle Fuller is not a good year at the Broncos is from, from all indications and reports there, but that's what happens when you you know, cut your starting number one corner and don't properly replace him. And you're relying on a fifth rounder to kind of take that place. Like it's tough. Cornerback is a really tough position. And again, you have to invest there. Otherwise you're going to get situations like this where, you know, teams can just ignore Jalen Johnson because they don't have to throw to him and they'll just pick apart everyone else and, and, you know, just take all the easy yardage right there. And that's, that's kind of what we've seen throughout the year. Yeah, no teams are figuring out. Let's, let's get our best guy on Kendall Vildor and let's see what happens. And usually good things happen for the opposing offense and that, you know, I was high on Kendall Vildor. I, I talked to his um his DBs, his private DBs coach, and just talked to him like in press conference. Like, come on, Kendall. Like that was the guy I was rooting for, but clearly it, it's not working out. So we'll see what ends up happening with that position maybe moving forward. And then we also have a uh, a second question from Logan, and it's a non Bears related question. I think this is interesting too. You can only eat the same meal for the rest of your life: breakfast, lunch, or dinner. What are you having? So I'm, I'm going to go first here. I'm a huge breakfast guy. Like Andrew, I, and I don't, the thing is I'm a huge breakfast guy, but I, I rarely, I rarely eat breakfast. Like I just wake up in the morning. I don't eat until like maybe noon. I'm just kind of used to that from college, but I can't go wrong with, you know, I'll, I'll have like scrambled eggs with, with cheddar cheese, hash browns, ham, bacon, sausage. And I'm good. It's like it's like the all all American slam, like Denny's. And I feel like they're all like names very similar, like Lumberjack Slam or something like that. And I'm just I'm I'm super content with that. I'm I will get that almost every single time. I'm always in a food coma afterwards. And I don't ma- mind having that for dinner as well. Like if, if all that stuff is there, I will cook that Absolutely. stuff and be good to go. So love breakfast, don't get enough of it. And now I'm debating whether I'm going to eat some maybe later tonight. That same exact meal because it sounds really good right now. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, you can never go wrong with an omelet and some corned beef hash and maybe yep. some rye toast or something just to, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of a, some some substance to that. But I'll have to go with dinner here because okay. all my favorite foods are, you know, we look at, you know, going to, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the game, you know, pizza, burgers, tacos, all that type of stuff, man. I, I cannot – I cannot let that go. It's like, it's like the, uh, it's like the old, uh, you were like, if you're, if you're a fan of like the Lord of the Rings movies, for instance, yes. where you're talking about having dinner and supper, like I'm, I'm all for that type of energy right there, man. Cause I can go, I can go for, you know, a run at B-dubs earlier in the day. And then later on, you know, let's, why not go for a burger or something that that's where I'm at. I like it. And I'm, I'm glad we got a Lord of the Rings reference. I cannot, Andrew, for, for, for the love of me to get my girlfriend to even attempt. I'm like, let's watch the, let's watch all of them. She's like, I would rather do anything else than watch any Lord of the Rings movies. I'm like, no. Funny, funny story. I was able to manage to get my girlfriend to watch the entire trilogy extended edition. Uh, she, she paid attention for the entire thing. I'll give her credit for that, but 
Uh, I don't expect that happening again, but I'll take it. She was able to, she gave it a try. So I, a, we got to get that to happen for you now. Seriously. Like who's, who's your favorite character in, in the Lord of the Rings? Do you have uh, one? Aragorn. Okay. I, I like, Aragorn. I like Legolas. I've always, I mean, I have freaking yep. tattoos or arrows oh, yeah. tattoos. So I've, I've always loved archers and I, I don't know if you ever played the man. Now we're really going on a tangent here, but there oh, was yeah. a PlayStation. There was a game on the PlayStation two where mm-hmm. you, you basically, God, it wasn't Shadows of War. I forget the name of it, but it was fantastic. You, you would literally play as each one of the characters during during chapters of, of like the game. And anytime I got to be Legolas with the arrows, I was just going off on, on those orcs high and orcs. So, but uh, nice. We talk about Jay Cutler, Bears, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and Hash Browns. I love this podcast. All right. So we're going to question number four from Brown Excellence. Um, if Fields goes 500, with good games and bad games for the rest of the season, do you think Pace and Nagy get fired or just Nagy or, or just, yeah, or just Nagy? Um, Andrew, what do you think about that? Well, it's going to depend on the record of the team, because I think when you look at uh, McCaskey, George McCaskey, I, I don't think he's concerned much with uh, the style points necessarily. He cares about what the record is at the end of the year and whether the bears are relevant at the end of the year. So if Justin Fields is playing really well and the team is losing, I think that definitely that could definitely point to both Nagy and Pace being gone. You know, and it goes to like the whole loophole of you know what are the McCaskey's thoughts on Ryan Pace in general? Because I feel like you know the McCaskey family really really likes Ryan Pace. You know, Ryan Pace is responsible for redoing the the entire Hallis Hall, renovating the entire facility over there, like. I think Ryan Pace has done a lot to kind of um, get into the good gracious of the McCaskey family. And I don't think they're going to be, we know the McCaskies are very loyal. You know, they were loyal to Lovey Smith for a lot of years, even when, you know, there were some rough seasons for the bears and they were kind of stuck in mediocrity for a lot of it. You know, they were, they were loyal to Lovey for many years and they did not want to fire him when they eventually did. Like they, that was a tough decision for them to make when that happened. And I think it's going to be the same thing for Pace here where, I don't think they have that same feeling towards Nagy. So I think that could be an instance. And again, this is all speculative right here, but I think at the end of the day, it kind of depends. Like if Justin Fields is going off and the offense as a result is doing really well at the end of the year, you could get into a situation where it could be hard to justify that to, to fire Nagy because, you know, you want to kind of build off of that. And I guess, I'll phrase it like that, or I kind of phrase it like this. If if it's like the situation situation we've seen the last two weeks, where it's Justin Fields pretty much going out there by himself and having to carry the offense because the rest of it is just a complete disaster, then no, that's that's I highly doubt you see Nagy back for another year. But if they're able to figure something out to where the running game continues to be a threat for them, they they figure out the balance of when to pass, when to run. And we're seeing them legitimately like being being an explosive offense where you know things are well schemed and well operated. That I think there's a scenario where yes, they could try to run this back one more year and see what happens. But it cannot be like what it's been the last two weeks, where basically Justin Fields has to put on his Superman costume and save the operation that is kind of just floundering as a whole. If that make it makes any sense. No, I agree with that, Andrew. And I, obviously, I would say there there needs to be more good than bad obviously but if it's 50 50 with and i would say this too andrew if one of those bad just abysmal games happens again at lambeau field 
at in prime time, yep. those games hold a little bit more weight. They just do, especially to the McCaskey family. So you're seeing that offense for whatever reason just go just be non-existent, like we've seen it happen, you know, throughout the course of this season and since Nagy's been here. Man, I think that holds weight for the McCaskey family as well. But if we're seeing the scenario that you kind of played out where Justin Fields is the one carrying this team and you're still seeing these these false start penalties, these timeouts, coming out of the timeout and then getting penalized for an illegal formation, like this dysfunction, you got to see like you got to see in the future here in a little bit like this has not gotten better. And we can't let our our valuable franchise worthy quarterback here be a part of this dysfunction moving forward. So I think it's going to all play. It, it, it's going to go come down to whether or not how those losses happen, because the losses are going to continue happening. Bears. I, I just expect that they're going to happen, but it's how they happen and it's who they're against. And if we're seeing a lot of what we've already seen, I think, I think Nagy would be the one to go over, you know, would be more prone to go over than pace because like you, I think there is this, um, this fondness, I guess, of, of Ryan pace right. at, at house hall and, and in this bears organization. So, and that kind of leads us to this next question, Andrew, this is from Joey Mandel fire Nagy. That's part of the handle. Uh, <laughs> the, the offense seems to have picked up a little bit after these past two games. And are you guys worried that if Justin Fields, gets this unit together over the second half of the season and they collectively play good offense that Nagy might be retained. And to answer your question, I, I think he would be retained if we're seeing that. And it's not just Justin Field. It's like the offense, like you were kind of saying, Andrew, it looks collectively better there. They have this balance between the pass and the run and they're actually sustaining drives, putting up points. Then, yeah, I think it, it would be hard to justify canning Natty Nagy right then and there because you're you're seeing progress and that's the thing if if Justin Fields is showing progress this offense is scoring points and hey if you're actually winning games then I think it would be tough despite you know another four game losing streak obviously the Bears won a six game last year this their four a four game losing streak now but if they were to turn things around a little bit score more points Justin Fields is showing progress and the offense looks functional it's going to be hard to get rid of them and and I don't know if that would be best case, if that's best case moving forward for this team or work because maybe Matt Nagy changes. Look, Matt Nagy changes. Who knows? But Andrew, what's what's kind of your thoughts on you know if this just again with Joey's question here? Yeah, in terms of being worried about it, like it depends on like what your thoughts are on Matt Nagy as a head coach. Yeah. Like if you're not if you're on the fence that you're already done with Matt Nagy as a head coach, then. I mean, yeah, there is reason to worry if Justin Fields puts it all together and this offense puts it all together, then, I mean, yeah, that that is certainly, as we've kind of detailed here, that that is certainly a possibility, and I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, the likelihood of keeping of that happening is, I don't know, <laughs> because there are still a ton of issues with uh, this offense, and, you know, they, they have some tough, they have some tough games coming up, too. I mean, the Ravens game is going to be tough just from the fact that you know, that defense is a very aggressive blitzing defense. Like how is this offensive line and Justin Fields going to handle that? That could be, that could get ugly pretty quick. Um, if they're not prepared for that coming off the bye week and that's going to be a really bad look for the coaching staff if they can't get their offense prepared off the bye week. So that's a tough one coming up to green Bay Packers. They have to go to Lambeau. Like you said, that's another tough game. They have the Cardinals coming up. That's that they've had a really good defense this year. So 
it gets tough on the second half of the schedule. There are still some tough games they have to go through here. And I think the big thing is, um, you know, if we do see legitimate significant progress, which I think is the point here, they need to have significant progress. Like you said, you cannot have the just functionality errors, like the false start penalties, the illegal formations, you know, burning timeouts all the time. And like you said, penalize out of timeouts. You cannot have that type of stuff consistently going forward. And you also cannot have another disaster like Tampa Bay, like Cleveland. You cannot have any more of those type of games. If you have even one of those, you know, that's three games where the offense was just not functional, just not just did not work in general um, in, in a season. So you cannot have that, especially as an offensive coach where you know, your job bringing coming in here was yes, to win games, but also to fix the offense. And if we're not seeing evidence of the offense getting fixed, especially when you have a quarterback that's shown you legitimate evidence that he is the franchise guy going forward, then yeah, you cannot move on with that as your head coach. But I mean, to answer the question specifically, if we see significant progress from fields and the offense as a whole, then I think you get into the territory of, okay, I think this is a situation to where they might run it back for another year. No, I agree with that. And I just saw in the comments, uh, it would actually be three years in a row where there's been a four game losing streak or more. So sorry about that. That, that again, goes back to coaching and the state of this team. But before we answer more of these bears questions, I have to tell you about our partnership with Owen. If you're like me going to the gym is a crucial part of my schedule. It's a place to let loose and just decompress. And after a great workout, it's important to give your body the necessary amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why I drink Owen. That's right. Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein company and all their products are plant-based free of artificial ingredients and are allergen friendly. Plus Owen uses high quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible. Like their dark chocolate protein shake that has 20 grams of protein. My personal favorite. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. So you can get 20% off your first purchase with code TCA20 at liveowen.com. That's 20% off of your first purchase at liveowen.com. I was trying to see if that worked down there, and it did. And remember to use the code TCA20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen, only what you need. All right, this is Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm here with Andrew Freeman of Bear Report, and we're finishing up these Bears questions that our, our loyal fat, uh, loyal listeners um, submitted, and it's been a good time answering these. So let's continue this ball rolling here, Andrew. And we have our next question from Joe, or I like to call him Jonathan. Um, which games are you most looking forward to this year in this remaining schedule? And put in parentheses, we know playoffs are off the table. All right. Uh, for me personally, just looking at the games um, that I'll kind of get to cover too. Like I'm looking just next week, Bears Ravens at Soldier Field, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, especially with what happened just last night. If you're listening to the podcast on Friday with the Ravens and, and the Miami Dolphins, like I know the Ravens are going to want to come back and bounce back in this game. And obviously the Bears are on a four game losing streak. They're going to want to obviously try to rebound their season and you get to see Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson play. So that's going to be one that I have circled anytime. Well, I don't know if I look forward to this because I usually know what the result is. December 12th at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. I think just because of the – well, 
rivalry. I'll put that in, in quotation marks there. Exactly, Andrew. Um, but that's another one. And then December 26th uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, Justin Fields has looked up to Russell Wilson. So now he gets to play against someone that he, you know, tries to model his game after. So that'll be an interesting matchup as well. But um, Andrew, are, what games are you kind of looking forward to this season? Yeah, I think both the Ravens and Packers games are intriguing because one for the Ravens, the quarterback matchup, uh, you look at the advanced stats, Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, the two most aggressive quarterbacks at throwing the ball down the field in the NFL this year. Fun fact for all the listeners out there. So that's going to be a fun one to see that quarterback matchup. And then the storyline for Lambeau, obviously, Justin Fields, first game at Lambeau. I believe my parents are actually going to be at that game as well. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous, but kind of like, Kind of glad that they're kind of taking that challenge on because they're going to be surrounded by <laughs> Packers fans, and I don't think that's going to be a very fun game for the Bears. So, But I, I'm excited to see that game because, um, obviously, Chester Fields, Lambeau Field. Um, how does the rookie respond to that? That'll be interesting. And then I'll bring this other storyline for the Seahawks game. Uh, Russell Wilson, not only is he a quarterback that Justin Fields looked up to, he's the quarterback that the Bears thought they were going to get True. with the trade in the offseason. So that'll be a very interesting uh, I think struggling to talk about going into that week before, you know, the bears could have had Russell Wilson, but now they get Justin Fields. And, you know, was that, and did that end up being the better, I guess, not decision, but outcome um, as a whole. So that will be certainly all three of those games are interesting. I'll throw out one more. Um, and that's the Lions game on Thanksgiving in Detroit, you know, another big stage for Justin Fields. And, you know, we saw what he did on Monday night football against the Steelers so, and again, another chance for him to shine on a, you know, national TV audience. You know, what do we see from the guy? And personally, my, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I, I just love, you know, eating a ton of food. Like, like, like you mentioned before, you know, that, that is a dinner meal. We look at yeah. all the turkey that you're going to have on Thanksgiving. Um, so I, I, I'm a fan of watching football all day, hanging out with friends and family and just eating a ton of food. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Andrew, let me ask you this. Are you a fan of the Bears playing on Thanksgiving? Because personally for me, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate watching. Well, not not because I'm like, you know, worried about what the, what the result will be in the game. But it's usually just, you know, do a podcast, try to do a write-up. So it's like I'm working on Thanksgiving. And all I want to do is like you, I just want to eat and watch football and just, you know, hang out with family and stuff. Absolutely. But and you know I'm not the I'm not even going to games or anything like that. But this is just here at home. But what do you like watching the Bears on Thanksgiving? I enjoy it. I mean, I from a content perspective and putting you know your work out there after the game, like yeah, that's that's <laughs> tough because you, again, like you said, you want to like just hang out with friends and family. You just want to eat a lot of food and you don't want to do anything. So from that standpoint, yeah, that is not the funnest thing in the world. But in terms of like. The experience of just watching the Bears on Thanksgiving. I, I'm a huge fan of it. Again, I always enjoy watching the Bears on a national stage, especially against the Lions, because the Lions are rarely ever good. So it's like, <laughs> it's, I'm not saying it's a free win, but it's one of those where I go into it feeling pretty confident that they're going to get the win. And anytime you can get a win on a, on a holiday like that, I mean, I don't know. I, I enjoy the entire thing. But, you know, when they do lose, it your mood is not going to be great for the rest of the day. I'll say that. That that's uh yeah definitely true. My uncle like he he hates it as well. He's like oh if they lose and I'm you know you ruin Thanksgiving for me. But hopefully that's not the case. Uh, a couple more questions from Jonathan. He um asked, 
Tell us what it's like having press passes uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. And just real quickly, it's real, honestly, Jonathan, it's just a long, long freaking day. I get uh, get around the Soldier Field around 930. And by the time you you know watch the game, live tweeting, go to the press conferences, record the podcast, write something up, sometimes do a video. It's like nine. I get home around 930, 10 at night. So it's a long day, but I wouldn't, you know, change it for anything it, it does give you that experience so that's kind of what it's like behind the curtain and just being part of the press conferences um you know it's cool it's so tough to get a question in sometimes but yeah so that's basically what it is and it's always interesting um just so i've been i went to the las vegas game the differences andrew in terms of the food that what what oh, they'll I'm give sure. you in the press box oh my gosh it's the, it, it's like the bears and you know comparing them to the packers right now there is no comparison and to, and but that's it. I'm curious. I'm I'm planning on going to to Lambeau Field for that night game too. So curious to see what that's like. Um, I don't know if I'll go to any more road games, but we'll see. Um, but that's kind of pulling back the current a little bit. Long days, but I really enjoy it. Then we have a, a, another fun non-Bears related question. Jonathan asks, "Who is the best Spider-Man villain? One for coolest, one for a true villain." Now, Andrew, are you are you are you? Marvel guy or uh, it's it's tough to say Marvel I'm a big superhero movie okay. fan so I love like Batman's my favorite superhero of all time I'm really excited for the next Batman movie with uh, Robert Pattinson which I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are not a huge fan of that casting <laughs> I think he's gonna I think he's gonna knock it out of the park I can't wait for that but I am a huge fan of all the Marvel movies movies in Spider-Man um, I, I have fond memories of reading the Spider-Man comics actually as a little kid so I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. He's probably a top three superhero for me. So, uh, yeah, in terms of, like, if you want me, I can start with my answers for that, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, for me, sure. Go ahead. Um, I, I, in terms of, like, coolest villain, I'll have to say, uh, you know, I always felt like Sandman was a pretty cool villain okay. just because the powers were pretty cool. Just the fact that he could just, you know, turn things, like, use sand to his advantage and turn into sand, like, especially when, when Spider-Man 3 came out. Like, I just thought that was really cool watching that. On the movie screen, like the movie itself, not a very good movie, by the way. But in terms of like the actual power and skill set, I enjoy that quite a bit. But in terms of like who is the best villain for Spider-Man overall, um, you know, I think Venom is a pretty darn good villain from the comics. You know, he hasn't had the best on-screen interpretations so far, but um, you know, Venom or you know the classic Green Goblin. You know, Green Goblin is kind of like that perfect foil for. Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So I think those two, those three really are kind of my three favorite to kind of discuss. Gotcha. I like it. So to answer the, um, who I'll go the first, who the true villain, man, I think, I think carnage is just, just pure evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, serial killer, uh, what Cassidy, Cletus Cassidy. And I just don't, I don't think too, like the, the movie Venom, let there be carnage. did a, did a good interpretation of the, just pure evilness that Carnage really embodies as, as a character. And then one for the coolest, I'm going to put Venom there as well. I've always liked just kind of the symbiotes, what they're about, and kind of how they look. Like, I think Venom looks really cool in the movies, but the movies themselves, there's more to be desired for sure. But um, I'll, I'll add one more thing. In terms of like the movies, like just purely looking at the movies, I thought they did a really good job with Vulture in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. So I'll just say that. I'll let you finish your uh, segment, though. Okay, yeah. No, for, I, I like that as well. Um, yeah, the Spider-Man Homecoming, like, I, I think, again, anything with 
more so I, what the carnage and, and venom movies were sony and, and marvel a little bit so and even the, even the spider-man movies are but yeah I, I think there's just more to be desired out of those and they're just great characters i don't know how you do how do you not do them justice but again maybe it could be another it can have like a lord of the rings superhero podcast on the side here andrew again we, we would need time for that though i mean i'm all, all right forward, so <laughs> okay well keep it in mind let's go to question number seven real quick from sir stony island and the question is is it time to write off Tariq cohen coming back at all this season and then he has a, a, a follow-up question there have naggy laser brought up putting uh cleo herbert and david montgomery on the field at the same time well, this answer the second part of it. I, we saw it what sparingly in the Pittsburgh game where it was like the Wildcat, mm-hmm. and that that's been something. It's worked. Like they've actually gained Absolutely. yards off the Wildcat. But I think you know, obviously, with David Montgomery just being back last week against Pittsburgh Steelers, like you would think you'd see a little bit more of that, and without it having to be a Wildcat formation to kind of get both of those running backs on the field, because it seems like at this point, Damian Williams is just out of the equation. And I will say this, if we do see Damian Williams out there with maybe it's a Damian Williams, Herbert and, and David Montgomery formation, I'm telling you this, Andrew, there will be Damian Williams is going to throw a pass. They practice that all throughout training camp. I saw it multiple times and they've been running this wildcat consistently. Damian Williams, if he's out there and they're in that, that wildcat formation, just just know and you can reference this podcast he's gonna throw a pass will it work i have no freaking idea but i feel like it's happening and then just to answer the first part is it time to write off Tariq cohen coming back this season i don't know i don't know andrew like it's been he's what he he's trending up right he's trending up he's trending up his terms of what matt Nagy would say every single time they're asked about um tree cohen but there's there's no say so is it time to write him off? I, I can't give you an answer to that. Um, what do, what are your thoughts on Tariq Cohen and you know more usage of David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert? Yeah, as far as Tariq Cohen, it's it's tough because you'd hope that with I mean the name again, everybody's body is different. So I don't want to judge Tariq Cohen mm-hmm. off the fact that he's still not back yet. But typically with these ACL injuries, you'd certainly hope that they'd be back by now. Uh, that the player would be back by now. I mean, we've seen players where, you know, look at Eric Fisher and David Bakhtiari with uh, the Colts and Packers, respectively. I think they had Achilles injuries and, and yeah. they're already back playing, or Bakhtiari's about to be back playing. And it just seems like ever since the season started, we just haven't had any real updates on Cohen's status. And I've gotten to the point mentally where I've already checked out. I, I'm not even, I don't even put him in terms of, I'm not even thinking about the plans about Tariq Cohen returning this year. I've kind of I've kind of done the same for you know we talk about Tevin Jenkins almost being back soon. I've done the same thing for Tevin Jenkins. I've I've assumed that Cohen is going to be out for the entire year and and hopefully he's ready to go for next year, which you you'd, you'd hope. But because if if he's not ready for next year, then you really got a problem there. That then you have to question: Okay, is this guy even going to play football again? Yeah. Because again, it's an ACL injury. These things. I'm not saying it's an easy injury to go through, but I mean, you look at the landscape of athletes in general, professional athletes. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's like the same caliber of an injury, like a sprained ankle, but it's kind of like a, it's kind of like the sprained ankle in the sense that if you're a professional athlete at this level, at some point, you're probably going to have some form of injury to your ACL, MCL, like that area of your body right there, because 
you know, with the way these guys train year round and how much stress they put on it, it it's just a matter of happening at, at some point. And medical science and sports science has gotten to the point where these guys can get back on track pretty quickly. We saw Allen Robinson, he had an ACL injury before the Bears signed him and he got back on track pretty quickly there to be a nice player. So I don't know what the issue is with Tariq Cohen. They've been, you know, pretty secretive about going into any details, which is just so frustrating. I'm sure for you and all the other media members that are at house hall pretty much every day that that can get frustrating when that question comes up and you're just getting non-answers from the GM and the coaching staff and the players or not really the players, the players have been more informative on injuries (laughs) than the coaches this year. So uh, that's certainly frustrating, but in terms of, you know, going to the second question with Herbert and, and Monty getting on the field. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of the wildcat formation that they pulled off here. We saw it a lot in the Detroit Lions game. Um, first, that's when we first really saw it. I thought I, mean, I might be misremembering um, that a little bit, but the Lions game, which I was at, that was like the first time I really noticed that being a huge part of the game plan. And then they brought it out once again for the Steelers game. I, I hope we see more of it. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans want to see maybe ju- you kind of run those type of plays with Justin Fields at quarterback because, you know, Fields has that running ability as well. But, I mean, it's, it's a different look for defenses to have to kind of contend with. And if you're, you know, if your prediction comes true that they might be adding some passing element to that, I mean, I'm not opposed to that either. Again, the more things you can do for this offense to give defenses something else to look at and exploit – then I'm all for it because this offense needs as much help as it can get. So I, I, if they can find more creative ways to get both on the field, I'm, I'm all for it. Andrew, that, that phrase, this offense needs as much help as it can get. I feel like I've said that phrase so many times that forever since being a Bears fan, but you just saying it just, I don't know, brought me back to, to memories of me saying it all the time. But um, here, Andrew, I think, because wow, I didn't know one we were going on an hour, which is awesome. And, and you know, being a bi week episode, but I think we'll do a quick hit on these final couple questions. So we have our eighth question from Jordan DuPont. And the question is, what do we do with Bojack when he's healthy? Is he really the problem? What are your thoughts on that, Andrew, about um Eddie Jackson right now? Is is he the problem? Yeah, I wouldn't say he's the problem. And I kind of I've had this conversation in the past. Some you know other uh, you know, look at Robert Schmitz on on the what WCG. I was on his podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and kind of had a similar discussion about you know Eddie Jackson. You know what's the issue here? And I think you know you look at Eddie Jackson. There's got to be two conversations here. You know again it's kind of like it's kind of like what I said earlier. You know what what are your expectations for Eddie Jackson as a player? And you know what is he actually as a player? So the expectations in terms of, you know, Eddie Jackson, is he living up to the contract? Is he playing up to what we thought he was as an elite safety when he got that contract? The answer is clearly no. He's not. It's clearly looking like the 2018 season was an outlier and a guy that is probably a solid to good, but definitely not great or elite safety at this point. We've got a Jackson. But again, that kind of transitions into the conversation of what is Eddie Jackson anyway? And, and when you look at Eddie Jackson, I still think he's a quality cover safety who is flawed in the sense that, yeah, he's not the greatest in terms of a tackler. He's not an impact run to def- run support defender, um, you know, when he's coming into the box. But, and again, he's not getting, he's not making plays on the ball right now. And that's certainly an issue that you'd like to see Eddie Jackson do more of because that's what he was paid to do. He was paid to be that ball hawk and the third level in the secondary here. 
and he just hasn't been that guy. But in terms of what he is, he's still a very good cover safety. He allows the Bears to do a lot of things in terms of the versatility of their coverages. He gets, he allows the Bears to kind of hide some of their other players because A. Jackson can do a lot more responsibilities um, than some of their other guys in the roster. So when he comes back, I mean, it's going to be a boost for the secondary. Again, is he living up to the contract? No. Is he not? Is he a flawed player? Yeah. He's, he's got some issues where, uh, again, uh, he's not a guy that is going to be worth that contract. And he's probably never going to be worth that contract at this point because the trend line is going down. He, he's further regressing to, um, I think, what he actually is as a player. And it's unfortunate because you like, you would like to see him uh, you know, play better at this point. But I, he is what he is at this point. He's a good cover safety uh, he still provides a lot of value to this defense when he's on the field. And we've seen it when he's off the field. The defense just doesn't have that same ability to hide things in the secondary when he's not on the field. So, again, and I think uh, Jamari in, in the comments brings up a good point here where maybe he's overcompensating for, you know, not having true two great corners out there. And I and I'd even throw out there um, maybe not having, you know, a guy like a, a guy at safety like Adrian Amos, who was more of that solid, just always in the right spot at the right time. He kind of allowed Eddie Jackson to kind of be, I wouldn't say freelance, but take more risk. And that's, again, with, with all the other holes in the secondary, that just makes things a little bit more difficult for Eddie Jackson and what his job is on this defense. I'll say this about Eddie Jackson. I think, like you said, Andrew, when he comes back, the Bears are going to upgrade at that position. Even though DeAndre Houston Carson has done an admirable job at just being the placeholder for him, I think you've seen even in the last couple of weeks where, man, you wonder if like Eddie Jackson was there. I think of the two-point conversion in the 49ers game where, what was it, Brandon Ayuk absolutely cooked him on the route. It wasn't even close. You look at the ball that Ben Roethlisberger just floated up in the air, and I forgot who ended up catching it for, for the Steelers, but DeAndre Houston Carson's kind of like in the middle of a wheel turn and eventually gets his head around late and the ball is caught. And I, for some reason that pass just floating up in the air reminded me of the, the playoff game against the Eagles where Nick Foles was just throwing up, you know, flutters up there and there was no Eddie Jackson to potentially intercept them. And that's the thing too with Eddie. And, you know, I don't want to go too long about Eddie Jackson, but you're just not seeing those impactful turnover game changing type of plays that we saw in 2018. And that's what I think, the expectation was for Eddie Jackson to kind of consist you look, maybe not to that exact level, but to at least get those kind of type of plays. They just haven't happened. And that's why there's this, this, I think frustration from fans in terms of what they're not seeing from Eddie Jackson, you know, calling out kind of former players like Lance Briggs, you're seeing these type of things and you, you want to see the production that you saw in 2018. But when he comes back, the bears are upgrading at that position. No doubt. So that's uh, the update on Eddie Jackson there. And then the other part of the question, who stays and who goes on the defense next year? And I'll just kind of quickly say some guys that could potentially definitely go. And I think you even mentioned it too, Andrew, like Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Deshaun Gibson on a one-year deal. Uh, Even, you know, Alec Ogletree's here on a one-year deal as well. Just looking at some guys on defense that may potentially not be here. Look, Kendall Vildor obviously was just drafted, but – Seeing how he's been playing, it's like, can you just upgrade there and see what you can do elsewhere? But those are just some names. You got anybody different there, Andrew? Yeah, in terms of guys that are actually under contract, I think Eddie Goldman's a name to watch out for. I'm not sure if he I'm not sure if he's gonna be here long term at this point. And you know, in terms of you know, Danny Trevathan, I, I think we're yeah, probably true. approaching his last year in Chicago here because 
you know, he's not, he's kind of like playing a part-time role anyway. And, you know, with this contract design the way it is, I mean, it's, it's a tough contract to get out of because there's a, it's a very backloaded deal, but I just think there's no way you can justify paying him uh, at the, at this point, because he's just not, he's not, he's not what he once was, unfortunately. And it's sad to see he was, a, he was a solid player. He's obviously a locker room leader for this team. That's one of the reasons why they brought him back. But I think Eddie Goldman, Dave Trevathan, I think those are two guys where I, I don't expect them to be back next year. Uh, partly because, you know, performance, but also cap reasons. You got to get some more slider cap space. Exactly. And, and Brendan, we, we said defensive guys. I know you put Jimmy Graham in, in the chat there. That's that's an obvious one in offense. And that's a whole other conversation of guys that probably won't be back next year. And then the other part of the question, who is your number one free agent target next season? Like I saw this question. I'm like, man, I haven't even been thinking about free agents. But I'll throw out like two positions a wide receiver and cornerback, and then just two guys. Like, look, I'm not saying that these are my top. I'm just putting them out there. Like, the we talked about the wide receiver position being completely different, probably in 2022. We don't know what the caps – and I'll say this too, Andrew. I don't know if the cap even exists because of what the Rams have been doing in terms of just adding people. It just is insane. But would a guy like Michael Gallup be intriguing to add to an offense, someone that – could you know maybe just add to what the Bears currently don't are not going to have in 2022 in terms of the wide receiver position, and then looking at cornerback again, I quickly researched who are free agents in 2022. Carlton Davis came up as a uh, as a as a cornerback opposite of Jalen Johnson. Johnson primarily plays on the right. Carlton Davis for the majority of his career has played on the left. Could be a, a nice asset to have opposite of, of Johnson there replaces Kendall Vilder, but Again, those are with really quick five-minute research of who's going to be free agents. But, Andrew, do you have any more maybe in-depth <laughs> answers to, to what I kind of gave as a synopsis there? Yeah, I'm going to focus on the wide receiver position here because I we kind of I kind of glossed over that early because you talked about it earlier in the podcast. And I wanted to give uh, some thoughts here on um, – because the free agency pool for wide receivers is going to be extremely deep in free agency. Obviously, our own <laughs> Alan Robson, he's a free agent. I, I, I'm, I'm 99% sure he's not going to be back next year. I think that burnt, that bridge is burned at this point. Um, but you look at, you know, we're seeing the chat right here, Devontae Adams, uh, Chris Godwin, it. Odell Beckham. Like there's a lot of guys here. Cameron Sutton is going to be out there. Um, Christian Kirk also in the chat. So uh, Mike Williams from the chargers, he's a name. So there's a lot of guys, but I'm going to throw out uh, two names here that I think could be, uh, you know, sneaky under the radar signings for them. Uh, Tim Patrick on the Denver Broncos and DJ Chark on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Chark is the bigger name because you know he's had um, a little bit more fanfare as a second round pick in the, with the Jaguars. Um, you know, he's had some highlights out there as, as a big play threat on that offense. He's coming off. I think, I think he, I think he tore his ACL as well. Maybe he, he so. had some kind of injury where he's out for the year right now. So his value might be depreciated a little bit just because of the fact that he's coming off an injury. It's a deep wide receiver pool for free agency. It's a deep wide receiver class for, in the drafts, I mean, I haven't quite got there yet in the drafts for scouting yet, but uh, I, I'm expecting it to be – I'm expecting there to be some options in the draft as well at the wide receiver position. So, again, I think he's a guy that fits well just in fields in terms of being a deep threat and getting yards after the catch. That's an option I look at. And I look at Tim Patrick because I, I bet that a lot of NFL fans around the NFL have never heard of Tim Patrick. He's an undrafted guy in the Denver Broncos. He's been kind of stuck behind Jerry Judy, Cameron Sutton, 
uh, KJ Hamler, some of the other talented wide receivers they have on Denver. But every single time that he's had to play big snaps, Tim Patrick for the Denver Broncos, he's gone out there and he's made plays. He's a six-five guy, very athletic for his size. He's a very good deep threat. And when you look about Justin Fields and what his skill set is, what is Justin Fields' best skill set? It's throwing the deep ball. So getting a vertical receiver like Tim Patrick, who can play on the outside, six foot five. I'm I'm very intrigued. And again, I think because he's a little bit older, he's an undrafted guy. I think you could get him at a, at a pretty reasonable rate, and you know feel confident about that. And I think the Bears they'd be best served to I think not not just invest in just one guy for a large price. I think they'd be better served getting two or three guys at cheaper prices and trying to fill out the room as a whole before going to the draft. And I think for me, Chark, Tim Patrick, those are two names that I'd be I'd be very intrigued by if the Bears wanted to go in that direction. And the thing too, Andrew, about you know wide receiver. Like the Bears probably are better off going through free agency because they don't know really how to draft guys like that. You think Kevin White, you think Anthony Miller, you think Riley really, and then they they finally hit on what seems like um in Darnell Mooney's a fifth round draft pick. So maybe the best case scenario is going that free agency route to upgrade the the wide receiver position. So Andrew, we have our final question for for this podcast from Nick Diacola. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Is there a case for keeping pace on, but moving him to a different role for all of his flaws? He seems to have a good, he, he seems to have done a good job of drafting and identifying talent in the late rounds. That's an interesting question because I think we talked about if the bears were to keep either Nagy or pace or more so lean towards Ryan pace, but in a different role, Kind of, I'm wondering what you're envisioning. Are you thinking that he's just going to get upgraded to like he's already the GM? What what football operator? Like I I don't know, but um, I think if the case is that if you're debating between Nagy and Pace, I think Pace is more favorable in terms of what the McCaskies are thinking. But I think we're we're thinking along the same lines right here, Andrew. Yeah, I think so. That Ryan Pace is probably more likely to keep his job at this point than Matt Nagy. But yeah, in terms of the question, in terms of like can they upgrade, can they like promote Ryan Pace to another position? Like, I'm not even sure that's possible because, you know, McCaskey said this in the past that Ryan Pace runs, he's in charge of all the football stuff. Yeah. Ted Phillips is (laughs) exclusively on the business side of things. Like Ryan Pace is the football guy. So with that, with, I don't know if that would mean like moving into like, I guess, president of football operations and then letting a GM make all the decisions. But I don't know. I just, I just feel like that doesn't make a lot of sense because Ryan Pace, he's, at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy who's going to have last say in everything they do. Unless their plan is, is to just take Ryan Pace out of football, you know, decision-making entirely and put him on the more of the business side. And because again, I, with the Arlington Heights rumors about them going to Arlington park and uh, how they bought already bought the land for that and are probably building a new stadium there, you know, would they want him in charge of that? So maybe that might be a case where they keep him on just for that. And they let somebody else focus on football, but no, I, I don't think, I don't think that makes I don't know. I, I just don't feel like that makes a lot of sense with the way that the bears are structured um, currently speaking. So I don't, I don't see that as being the case, I think. And again, if it were up to me, I, I would probably move on from Ryan Pace too. Just a little spoiler there for what I think <laughs> should happen. But again, I, and when it's mentioned that, you know, his, his track record on day three picks, you know, again, I'm not saying that's not, he's a really good evaluator of talent in my opinion. And his track record holds true on day three. But if that's the case, that's that's more of a downgrade in terms of you know being in charge of like scouting. That's not really, again, that's not the job of a G, that's not exclusively the job of a GM 
or a president of football operations. There's a lot more that he's going to be responsible for in terms of the nitty, and, instead of being the nitty gritty of scouting. So, um, you know, the only thing I'm very confident with Ryan Pace as a GM is his day three scouting. Everything else about the way he's managed a team is a whole other discussion. All, it's a little bit more negative. All I'll in question. That. All in question for sure. And then there's one more part of this question um, from Nick. And he asks, how realistic is a Bears division title next season if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay? I know everyone seems to be all for hitting the reset button, but with Rodgers, and possibly Devontae Adams gone. Devontae Adams will be back. Uh, the Lions still, the Lions still rebuilding, and the Vikings consistently underachieving and maybe hitting the reset button themselves. The division actually might be pretty wide open next year. I, you know, to a certain extent, I can agree uh, with some of the things that Nick was saying there, and with, with what the other teams are doing. The Lions are still trying to figure out what the hell they're they're trying to do as a football organization, and the Vikings again, they're kind of just there. They're there, and they seem like they can, they've lost a lot of close games this year too. They really have. And then it's all gonna. What is gonna happen in Green Bay? Like, that's gonna be the big question. Is Aaron Rodgers actually please? Is he actually leaving? Then I think there there could be as many problems as this Bears team has. It's like there could be an opportunity. There really could, especially if Justin Fields is progressing and it's and that trajectory that you're hoping to see offensively. And it's all going to come in question too. With a lot of our questions, like is Matt Nagy even going to be here at the end of the season? So it's hard to say, but when you put out like what the kind of scenario is for all the other teams, they could be right. They, they, they could, but there's just so many different factors and variables that go into this Andrew, but thinking 2022, the Chicago bears competing for the NFC North, your thoughts are what? Yeah, again, it's still a long ways away because we don't know. Again, we don't know who the GM is going to be. We don't know who the head coach is going to be. And we don't know from the Bears' perspective what moves they're making to upgrade their yeah. team. Like, are they going to try and just do a total rebuild and, and you know, kind of kick the can down the road with Justin Fields and, and just hope that he just continues to develop? Or will they go all in on trying to compete? Like, those are some discussions and, and things that we haven't seen yet. But certainly, I think from a long-term perspective, I think the Bears, you can definitely make the case that they have the best quarterback situation in the division right now because, uh, like, whether it's next year or the year after, I think Aaron Rodgers is most likely going to be gone shortly. And I don't know what your thoughts were on Jordan Love's first performance, but I can tell you from what I saw in that game, I'm not very high on on what he is as a quarterback going forward either and, and what they, the Packers have there. So – um, assuming that Aaron Rodgers, again, it all comes down to this. Is Aaron Rodgers gone or is he not gone? If Aaron Rodgers is gone, I think it's wide open because, again, I'm not confident in what love brings to the table. And I think he's going to take – he's going to need to take more time to develop if he's going to be as good as maybe what the Packers need him to be um, because they're in a really tough of cap situation. And they're probably going to be I'll say retooled me nicely, but they're going to be making a ton of moves next year. I think the Packers are uh, because they're just in a – they went all in on this year, and it's going to be reflected in the moves they make next year. Um, but, you know, again, the Lions, they're a rebuilding team. You know, they're they are going to – that's when their, their draft picks start to kick in for the Matthew Stafford trade next year. So that's, right. that's when we're going to really get to see, like, what they're trying to build there in Detroit – and, you know, the Vikings are the Vikings. Like, they're always going to be that team that hangs around a little bit. They're going to have yep. like, enough talent to where in the offseason you think, okay, maybe they'll. this is the year where they'll be, you know, 
a contender this year. But when it comes down to push and shove, it always comes down to some crazy thing where, you know, their field goal kicker can't make a kick to save his life <laughs> at the end of games, or they, they always have, they always have something going wrong and you just can't explain it because even this year, you look at the Vikings team, they should be a lot better than what they, where they're at right now. And like you said, they've had a ton of close losses. So again, it all depends on what the Packers decide to do with Aaron Rodgers. If Rodgers is gone, I think the division is wide open. And with Justin Fields having, again, with the Justin Fields, assuming that he continues to develop, I think the Bears, you have the best quarterback situation in the division, which is really wild to say and, and really odd to say for the Bears because all I've ever known as a Bears fan is that the Bears have one of the worst uh, quarterback situations in the division. It's usually never been the case where I can feel confident in saying uh, that they have a quarterback. Um, so yeah, it all depends on Aaron Rodgers, man. And, you know, again, if he's gone, I, I like their chances, but we are a long ways away from that because there's a ton that the bears need to figure out in terms of what they're doing organizationally first, before we even get about, get into what the other teams are doing and, and what that means going forward. I completely agree with that. Andrew, we are in week 10 of the NFL season talking about 2022. If the bears are in contention for the NFC North title, but Andrew, this has been fun. I didn't think we'd go and talk about for an hour and, you know, going close to an hour and 30 minutes on, on Bears football and all the other subtopics that we talked about. But I really appreciate you being here to to really just break down the, these questions for, um, you know, from the listeners here. But, Andrew, before I let you go, you have to tell everybody where they can find your work and, yeah, just where they can keep up to date with what you're doing in terms of Bears coverage. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you once again for having me on. This was a, a ton of fun. Um, would definitely, if you ever want to do something like this again in the future, definitely let me know because uh, I can talk about superheroes all day with you, as well as the football stuff. So always great to uh, have that conversation here. But in terms of where all your listeners can follow me and then find my work, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. Um, get all work. That's where I do pretty much all my takes and all I push out all my work through there. So in terms of where my work is actually at, the website is on thebearport.com. You can check that out uh, on the Bearport website. Uh, one of the main series I'm doing right now is uh, my Tracking the Trenches series. It's probably my favorite thing to do in season where I break down pass rushing and uh, offensive line play in the passing game, uh, looking at all the stuff. You know, If you're a fan of offensive line play, pass rushing, uh, getting into the nitty-gritty of statistics and, and rates and, and percentages and all that stuff, I recommend you check that out. And also, if you're into film work as well, I do dabble and do some film work on the Bearport YouTube channel. I have some stuff out there as well that you can check out. So um, all that stuff is available. And again, it's on the Bearport website. And once again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at AJ Freeman 25. Awesome stuff, Andrew. And before you know, we wrap up this entire podcast, if you heard earlier, I, I had a quick message about um, the four-year-old boy, Omar Spitz, who who unfortunately passed away during, you know, his third um, heart repair surgery. And, you know, I found the the lower, the link that where, if you look on the screen, if you're you're watching, uh, you can send a donation on Venmo to Omar's, O-M-A-R-S underscore Army. Again, one more time, that's O-M-A-R-S underscore Army. And that donation will go to the the children's hospital where Omar was receiving um you know, just treatment there and then also get him on, on the wall of recogni uh, recognition there. So uh, make sure to do that if you can. But for everybody who tuned into this episode, I really appreciate it. Andrew, like I said, I really appreciate having you and just going over these Bears questions. You'll probably hear from the Chicago Audible sometime next week. When we're previewing 
the week, what would that be, week 11 matchup between the Baltimore Ravens. So make sure you tune in and just see every, all the content that we'll have out for next week. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.